0: Hi, everyone. I'm Darren Hunter. I'm with Dennis Youssef. We are from Inspired Growth Training. This is the PM Growth Experts podcast show. And this is our video interview version, but we also have an audio streaming version on iTunes podcast. And also for our Android users out there, On Podbean as well so you can listen in the car between appointments. Now today we've got two very special people. We first met Christopher Barrow and Darcy Olkus at the Geared for Growth One Day Nevada event that we did last September I reckon that was and and uh, what happened then is we, we were booked in in Nevada at Lake Tahoe at the Hard Rock Hotel
1: Yep. So, so and the organisation booked us in. But you know. booked us in at the
0: hotel. We were assuming that our one-day event was at the actual hotel. We didn't realise it was 30 minutes drive away. And <laughs> we were waiting out the front and like, what do we do next? Let's start calling an Uber. And these two lovely people came out and said, you look like the Australian property management trainers. Would you like to lift? So thank you very much, guys, for helping us out. And uh, it was a, a lovely drive uh, there, and you got us back. So, um, just to, Yeah, yeah. But um, look, uh, very quickly, a quick plug for uh, Inspection Manager, the most popular, the most well-used inspection app, certainly in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, check it out. Now, as a property owner myself, when I get my routine inspections, it's very uh, important that when I open it, I can quickly see what's going on. I can see... Um, all the maintenance that needs to be done. And I found that the inspection manager report is one of the easiest reports for me to quickly see what I need to know um, and then move on. So go to inspectionmanager.com. Now, getting back to Darcy and Christopher, um, they are from uh, San Francisco in California. Um, You guys are in the Bay Area itself. Uh, And so just very quickly, uh, they're from Foundation Homes International they've got 130 doors, but their average income per door per year is around about $6,000. So that's around about two to three times the average portfolio income per year per door. So uh, we're dealing with a lot of high rents. Uh, The highest rent you guys are dealing with is $25,000 a month, but your average rent is $6,500 a month. And your because you're in the Bay Area, you're dealing with multi-million dollar properties, anywhere from $1.5 to $3 million each. So I think today's interview, Dennis, is going to be very much about high-end, dealing with high-end landlords and tenants.
1: If I thought I had fussy owners, I tell you, <laughs> you, you guys must have fussy owners and fussy tenants as well, right? Absolutely.
2: You know, it's, it's just it's a different... It's a,
1: it's a different animal.
2: Different animal, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So Darren, I've just brought up, this is We Got Memed. Uh, this is the oh, photo of yeah. the, the four of us that they
0: created. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. So so it's a picture of us all together and then it's got when BDM meets transportation. So thank you again. We were a bit stunned, like what do we do? And not realizing it was a whole 30 minutes drive away. So uh
1: I was yeah. on the phone. what door I was on the phone with them. Um what door do we walk through? The glass one, and I'm looking around, there's no glass doors here. Where are you? And and they said, We're at the event center. I said, So are we, and then they said, Um have you left the hotel
3: yet? And I went, no. <laughs> you know,
2: it was our honor to move our car seat for you and take
3: you. Uh, you know, we got a very, a lot of valuable uh, insight from you guys. We were able to just corner you and just pepper you with questions. So that was, it was great. It was
2: actually the master plan. It was so. almost <laughs> worth, it
3: was almost it's the gas spent to get yeah. you to and from.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. Great. Well, yeah, yeah, you didn't care that we're running late, right? Because of that traffic on the way with all the roadworks, <laughs> yeah.
3: you know. It was, it was, we, we drew it up that way.
1: <laughs> uh, that was great. Yeah, excellent. So, um, just to start things on the um, on the road, should we say, while we're talking about roads, what led you to the road of real estate?
3: Well, initially, initially, I, I well, my grandfather. Was a big real estate guy. I never met him, but he was a real big real estate guy in San Francisco. So you could say a little bit of his—it's in my blood. Um, I think because we were both from the restaurant industry, we sort of were naturally inclined to the customer service way of doing business inside of real estate. Um, Darcy initially got her, got the, got it started, um, and I I followed quickly after watching her walk into an appointment, sign up a client, sign a lease, and make three thousand dollars in forty-five minutes. And I was totally sold on that. I was like, so I quit my job two weeks later. And initially I thought the money The money, uh, like the fast money of real estate is really exciting. It was really sexy. But now that I've been in business, and I think Darcy might probably agree, now that we've been in business specifically inside of property management and leasing, we've realized there's so many different opportunities, so many different directions we can go and really utilize our innovative creative side and really blow out an actual industry. So that's, that's the exciting part for me about real estate.
2: Yeah, so when we got started, it was, we'll set the scene for you, it was 2005. In California, real estate was on fire. All you had to do was have a breath and you could get a loan for a million dollars. So real estate agents were just selling like this. And when I got this job working as a leasing agent, people thought I was crazy. They're like, why would you do rentals? And it just, it just sort of worked. I didn't even think it was a real job at first, but it was apparently. And yeah, so I did it about six months and then Christopher got in. And then um, for your Australian listeners, they may not know, in about 2007, 2008, massive real estate crash in the United States. And so then it turned out to be a very good thing we were in rentals because we were able to swap our business model and change our approach and it all ended up working out.
3: Yeah, we got super dynamic and it actually that was, when that happened, Is sort of started building the foundation part of the fund, but build the foundation for us to actually go off on our own because we, we realized how independent we actually were. And Darcy is a very innovative, creative person and she spearheaded what was called marinleasingteam.com, which was our own website that was was became the solution to funnel all the available rental inventory in Marin County to one spot. And so, our in order for us to really stay alive and and eat, so to speak, during that time was to make sure that if any transaction was going to happen, we were going to be part of that transaction. So we would feel at that time we were really uh, tenant centric and. Um, we were just trying to feel as many tenant tenants as we could and show them as many properties to make sure that we could get those, those transactions done.
2: Yeah. So to be clear, we were leasing agents at the time for another broker, okay. not a not I mean, at that time. You, There's a, certainly a buzz
1: around that you enjoyed. You can hear it in your voice that you love being a leasing agent. You know, there's, um, it was that. You know, Darcy, if I can ask you, was that because, you know, you loved helping people securing them into a home, you know, the chase for that style or or what was it that you enjoyed about the leasing? I mean, you didn't even think it was a job, but you loved it and you stuck to it.
2: Yeah, it was just a lot of fun at first. I mean, the, the market and the industry is so different now than it was, what was that, 15 years ago when we first started. But it's sort of the thrill of the hunt, the the hunt for the deal. I I think Christopher said that's also what he likes about it. But I've always loved getting people in my car and touring them around. And in Marin County, where we work, we have a lot of different pockets and little towns. So people would come and not really understand what they want. They would think they knew what they wanted. But I was able to listen to what they want and go show them things they didn't know they wanted. And I loved that. I'm actually not even an agent anymore. I let my license expire intentionally. So I, I'm forced to work on the business now. So it's been a long time since I've been an agent and showed properties. But, but I, loved, I definitely loved doing it uh, when I was an agent.
1: Yeah. So let's just clarify for the Australian listeners. Um, obviously, here in Australia, you have to have certification to work in an office. You know. But obviously, in, um, in the United States, you don't have to. It's, you know, different legislation, you know, uh, to pick up a phone and talk to a client in Australia, you've got to have, um, you know, a qualification.
2: So yeah. you, you do in California, but I don't, I don't do any of that. I do entirely. I run a team. I do our back office. I don't have, except for maybe um, intercepting some emails and routing them. I, I really don't.
3: see um, yeah. okay. more so. operations now, but when we were leasing, we were all I had to be licensed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's mm-hmm. California. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's cool. I mean, to me, leasing is similar to chasing new business because it's the answer the phone. Um, you know, you've got to book the appointment, and then you've got to convince them why they've got to lease your property over a rival new business. You're answering the phone. You go. To, you've got. You convince them to go to the property, and you're convincing them to use your services versus um, you know someone else's. So that the the steps are very similar. And sales, when selling the property, it's the same. So the three go, you know, they go um, in tandem together. So it's really cool. So tell us a little bit about your area. So you, you just gave us a little bit of insight that you've got your different counties and stuff. Um, so, you know, obviously you're dealing with some high-end properties as well. Uh, what about the structure of the office?
2: So in our office, we manage portfolio style. Yep. So we've, found, we've gone both ways. We were originally portfolio, then we went to departmental, and then we went back to portfolio. And we, it's hard because we go to NARPM and we talk to a lot of people and people hear our staff to door ratio and they just think we're insane. They said, that is crazy. You're crazy overstaffed. And it took us a few years of hearing that and being like, but why isn't this making sense? Why is our portfolio not like anyone else's? Until we finally realized we're not like anybody else's and we just need to do what's right for us. And what's right for us is a very high staff to door ratio. So I think you said in the beginning, we manage a little bit over 130 doors right now but we have two property managers we've just hired an assistant property manager we obviously have a bookkeeping team we have christopher who's mostly our bdm and our broker we have me running the office and then who am i forgetting we've got rebecca who's our office manager and then we've got leasing agents 1099 leasing agents
3: and what we realized is that the, the one of big biggest ways or easiest ways to remain successful is to be consistent and that starts with the property manager really being in touch with the property owner facilitating the transaction talking to the owner through the entire process being in touch with the tenant and then closing that transaction we've realized that is just a really successful format we just keep the cooks to one in the kitchen mm-hmm. at all times mm-hmm. and um, the food turns out really well
2: so right. so one thing one of the biggest differences in high end is that we can have like you could be dealing with an audio visual system at a property that's built into your like 4,000 square foot house, right? So that property manager maybe knows who to call to get, or he knows the terms that were negotiated. If you're doing departmental style, there's what are the chances that your assistant who's two times removed from that property is going to know the individual things that come up. So it ends up with your tenants getting frustrated, they can't get the answer and the owners get frustrated when someone doesn't like snap, 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 know the answer.
3: It's just really easy for the ball to get dropped. Yeah. And you know, it's, if you know the guy's carrying the torch the whole way through, he's likely going to reach the end.
1: Okay. Okay, so quick question then. How, how what distance are you covering? So from your, your, your the obviously, the central office, um, because, you know, I know Darren is like a, what is it, 30 minutes, 20 minutes? What do you normally say?
0: I can say, you know, no more than 30 minutes drive from the office. Um, otherwise, you know, too many of those sort of properties, you end up spending too much time sitting on the seat in a car and working part time on the portfolio and then part time driving. So uh, that that's But you know, we're not dealing with a traditional rent roll here, Dennis. Uh, we're dealing with a, with a business. So we've got, what, two property managers for 130 properties. Is that right? So we're looking at that 65 properties each. And, yeah. uh, you know, high-touch time, lots. Things are definitely done differently. So what sort of spread are your properties? What, what sort of distances is, is drive time?
3: I would say the, the, probably the furthest out is in San Francisco. It's about 45 minutes, and that's just with traffic. It's yeah. not so much the distance. It's just getting the traffic, across the yeah. and getting through town. Um, yeah. But pretty much we're probably no more than a half an hour at the most for most all of our other properties, and that would, that would include traffic and just, getting again, getting across town sure okay
1: that's cool so if you were to meet yourself uh the first day that you started so if you go back i know that you were just talking about it um then darcy but i didn't get yours chris but uh, if you were to meet yourself on the first day what advice would you give yourself
3: i the advice i'd give myself is really to align myself with an industry leading mentor or a coach or a partner um try to stay innovative you have to always always make sure you do the work and and details matter um and then i would also say read the one thing by michael keller i just read that book and it had so many great insights about someone just starting out in any in any industry it was phenomenal and specific to being a salesperson jeremy pound has been coming really uh, relative in property management uh bdm and um i I've listened to a couple of his interviews and just downloaded his book, "The Seven Secrets to a Successful Sales Team." It's phenomenal. So, those are those are the advice. That's the advice I'd give to somebody day one. Write Do that down.
0: Seven Seven Secrets.
3: Seven Secrets that's to a Successful Sales Team. I'll, actually, okay. uh, I'll screenshot it there.
1: Uh, Michael Sands it's one of the books that he told me I should be listening to. Okay, that's, that's good. good.
3: You can read yeah. it. You can listen to it in like ten minutes. It's like it's it's a quick read. It's, it's okay. Fun. That's good. It's good to
0: know. Thank
3: you
2: for that. But I think if we divide it into two different segments, right? So the first part of our career, we were leasing agents working for someone else. So that's maybe more type of advice we'd give a BDM. It's a different set of advice that we would give us as brand new business owners in 2010 when we had first opened our business. Yeah. Right. So like the advice for like a BDM or someone looking to really aggressively grow is, you know, hustle up and do the work. Because we've what we've really found in the real estate industry. Whether you're selling or leasing, whether it's agents we've trained or agents who we just see out in the community, the the biggest block to people's success is that they don't consistently do the work. People start out, they've got the best intentions, but they don't do it every day and they don't do it systematically. And we've always done that almost from the very beginning is when I was at leasing, I would love getting up and prospecting in the morning and seeing what new listings are out there and who could I stock and go get in touch with. I don't really see people doing that so much today. And we don't see we see real estate agents in the selling world where they start and then they get busy and they're really busy servicing their listings, but they're not keeping that pipeline full. So the number one piece of advice to someone starting there trying to build a book is to set that schedule and do that religiously, daily, at least Monday through Friday. matter
1: so yeah, how Saturday. You are doing that prospecting. Doesn't matter how busy you are, keep that pipeline full.
3: So Tony Robbins has a great analogy. He says, you know, what do you do when it's cold? You turn up the thermostat so you get warm. The problem is when people get warm, they turn the therm- they turn the thermostat down. So you got to keep that, that keep hot and keep on it at all times in order to, to maintain that success.
1: Yeah, certainly do. So it's interesting because, I mean, my next question, you know, it's coming to, and you've kind of answered it, so it's a good segue in. Um, if you're starting your rent roll from scratch, you know, what would your, you know, three, four key strategies be um, in, in starting from scratch to, to get that rent roll going? So I'm, I'm guessing you're going to talk about that hustle, right? That's what you were just talking about. and, and Yeah, keep-
2: so we're touching on it. We're touching on the way in. What yeah. what did we do when we were first starting? Because yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's different. How we get business now is different from how we did in the beginning. But it's in the di- beginning...
1: Yep, yeah. sorry, you go, you go.
2: In the beginning, we would contact owners for sale for rent by owner. And if we couldn't reach contact with them, I would send them a letter. And it was always hand... It was a, like a printed, you know, we'd have a little flyer made up. I would always do it a handwritten post-it, and we'd stick in our business card. It would say something relevant about their street. Oh, you're on Riviera Circle. I love that street. Call me if you need help with your rental. Tuck in our business card, always hand addressed on the front. And the key to that was being on top of it. You did it as soon as that listing came out. So you were getting to them before other people did. And we did the same thing with the expireds on the MLS. So homes that didn't sell, I would look at that daily, which homes expired today, and I would do that same process. Have you considered renting? Give me a call. Happy to give you an estimate. And the hand-addressed part, there, there weren't that many, you know, five to ten a day. But doing that consistently, I absolutely got business that way.
3: You know, it's funny. We'd get phone calls maybe a year later from an owner who we'd try to, we'd, we'd, we'd who prospected that way, sent them a flyer, and they, you know what, I rented my house last year on my own. It it was okay. I really found it was a lot of work. I like to have someone else do it. I got your flyer. Would you mind coming over and taking a look? I mean, that's happened so many times. We've had a lot of repeat business as a result from those initial flyers.
2: Yes, that was one method. Um, networking with your real estate agents. What we've found is you really need to target the top and most successful real estate agents because the agents who are only doing a little bit of business. They're the ones who kind of get worried that you're going to steal their client and they don't really have as much going on so they're more likely to try to handle their rental themselves. But when you go to a very successful realtor, all they want is for you to take really good care of their client. So you need about maybe 10 to 12 realtors who are really solid um, relationship where you will move mountains. You will drop whatever you're doing to, to take care of that realtor's needs. And that will really help you grow your business. We, we get so many referrals from basically our, our sort of core group of realtors. That we you have any with.
0: realtors that you refer to. Uh, that refer business to you that actually have a, a a portfolio in the company that they're working in, that they've actually chosen to give it to you. Not, not, not a portfolio of
3: you're talking about a portfolio of rental properties.
0: Yeah. Like that they, they they're working with a company and they could actually refer it to their own company, but instead because they want their client looked after and They don't trust their own people in the company to look after their client. They trust you more. Do you have that?
2: Yeah, yeah. We've had owners of companies. We've had the owners <laughs> of a very large,
3: <laughs> successful company run from us and refer us a ton of business outside of their company. Yeah.
2: And they're awesome.
3: But we'll keep them nameless. Yeah, but but it's um, happened several several, several times. times for sure. Yep, yep, for sure.
1: And it'll always happen. It happens in every country, so it's interesting. So okay, so you're talking about calling the expired listings. So in Australia and New Zealand, we call them the the stale listings, the properties that haven't sold they've been on the market for a long time um, and then you'll, you'll approach them to see if they want to rent the property out. And you're talking about the, the private owners, you, you're contacting them straight away and offering to help. So uh, well, that's really cool. So quick question. Have you got that strategy in place now that you're an established company?
3: We do. We try to, we have our team work, work, to, the new guys that come on, we work the, to work at least a similar way. The, um, I'd say stocking the expired listings and going on to Craigslist, or I don't know what your version of Craigslist is in your area, but in Craigslist, and looking at the self-managing owners and just trying to offer them something. We used to even call those people back back in the day, like, hey, look, I know that you're doing this on your own, but if we brought you a tenant, would you pay a fee? We would negotiate a fee on the front end. Oftentimes, they'd say, yeah. And then we'd be like, okay, we're showing a property to these people, and we'd rent it to them, because we mm-hmm. knew.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they would just call then, us right away. The they become, then They'd, they
3: became yeah. our clients.
2: Yeah. Okay,
1: that's good. So then you'd you'd uh, get them to secure them as a um, a full time management. So you weren't offering uh, a lead only a release only. You were just going straight for the kill. If we find the tenant, can we also manage it?
2: No, no, this was Chess for lease only to uh, to get that client, um, someone who was previously a self-managing, get them into the family per se, do the leasing for them. And some of them, actually, Christopher's number one client recently Chess converted. What is this, sixteen, fifteen 15 years later, Chess converted all her so, buildings. Yeah, to Yeah,
3: 14 years later, <laughs> I, I called her out of the newspaper.
2: Back in the day. 2005.
3: The yeah. And she's like, come on over. And she had a fourplex and, a, and a, two fourplexes and, and another couple, part another couple condos, and and then she just converted. 14 years yeah. later, all over, all over units.
2: That's definitely one thing that we've learned over the years is that there, there's no such thing as a bad contact or or like a waste of time going to see a property because you never know. We get a lot of referrals that maybe that owner doesn't work with us, but like a, we get a once removed referral where they've never even worked with us, but they refer us to their neighbor or their friend, or then they end up calling us two or three years later. So we also do relocations where the tenant hires us and actually pays us to tour them around and teach them about the areas. And I used to love doing relocations because every time I did one, I always got a new uh, client, a new door to take in because just from someone who I met from being out in the field, showing the properties and showing them that we were active, we were experts, we were knowledgeable, that they would call us a week later and be like, please just list my property.
1: Wow. Okay. That's that's awesome. And I I love that persistence and the consistency. I only can imagine how many times realtors would have been calling your number one client in that 14, 15 year period. And um, they've chosen you this time later. So it it certainly speaks volumes about what what service um, that you have got to offer. So uh, 15 years, 14 years, even if it's only five years, that's, you can imagine how many phone calls other realtors would have given her. Yeah. Yeah, sure. so well done. that's awesome. Okay, bank rings you up and tells you we're closing your doors if you don't get 10 new um, doors in the, the next seven days. What do you do?
3: So I would, definitely, I would definitely stalk the owners on, you know, the way we talk, but um, I'd also go through all of our current leads and our old leads that we've had start calling them up just hit the phones really hard and talking and finding out if they have a property so they still they still need the a management company are they thinking about switching from their, their the current company to us so starting that process um and then i contact all of my realtor clients and find out if they have any clients that they, if they need any help um another great um thing that I would do is for the self-managing landlords we call them up and see if we can offer them a write-up on their property and co-brand it with them so try to get some more exposure and then maybe offer them a free uh, rico like virtual tour we can just spend 20 minutes in their property take a few shots and give it to them so just to just encourage and just show them hey we can do this a little bit better for you likely a little bit faster and start bringing those new clients on just show them how innovative we are i really believe that the performance Beats talk every single time.
1: Yeah, you're putting your money where your mouth is. So, uh, have you got? So we're talking about multi-listing for a rental, right? You're talking about um, co-listing a property to to lease it to find a tenant.
2: No, so I I think you kind of confused them. So um, by co-listing, like if you, I don't know if you guys do this in Australia, but um, when you sell a home here in the U.S., often you'll get a flyer that like the mortgage broker has listed down like here's what your mortgage rate would be and it'll have the realtor's face on it and then it'll have the mortgage broker's face on it, right? So that's, you're not co-listing it, but you've created a co-branded flyer.
0: Yeah, it's a co-brand, but not multi-list, yeah. Yeah, So So
2: you do that. You could do that Ultimately, for a
0: when three realtors have the same property and they're all trying to sell it. Right. Um, yeah. That, that's what we call multiple. So, yeah. so
1: you're talking about working with your strategic alliances. So like everyone in a B and I group, you know, uh, working
3: together. Uh, well, well, specifically working with the owner, specifically working with the owner. Yeah. So, he,
2: the yeah so he's saying take that strategy that you would do with a realtor and then go do that with the, for rent by owner.
1: Yeah, cool. So that that's cool. Okay, and what else would you do? So so okay. Then if I can talk about, you said you would call your current clients and stuff. Are you just mm-hmm. calling them saying, hey, I'm going to close the door if I don't, you know, but we'll, you know, because <laughs> no, we're, we're not we're not we're
3: going to <laughs> go out of business. You show your hand every time hey, we we just wanted to touch base with you. How your how's your property doing? Do you have any? Do you know anybody else that might need a service? Are you thinking about buying another property? These are the services we can offer you to help you identify, evaluate, and help you get that sales transaction completed and manage your property afterwards.
2: Yep. So okay. one thing that I've found is figuring out what your keywords are that sort of perk the ears of your clients in your market. So in our market, it's going to be different maybe than other people's, but we learned that kind of early on <clears throat> that in our market, the words like relocation is big. Like people all want the executive client. and They all want your relocating clients. So by asking enough of these for rent by owners, what they're looking for and trying to uncover what their pain point is, you're able to kind of tailor your pitch. Like, okay, what value can I bring? How can I bring this to them? So we kind of figured that early on. We're like, they want our executive clients, they want our relocation clients. So we then tailored how we were attracting tenants to try to to sort of bring that so we're able to tailor our, our pitch that way. So I think if the bank calls us up and you got 10 days, so you're coming up with your irresistible offer for those for rent by owners. How can I get them to sign up without just, you know, saying half price deal or something? It would be whatever those keywords are in your market, come up with an offer around that some kind of guarantee or some kind of offer that can convince them to sign where they otherwise might not sign.
1: Yeah, that's good. So you're identifying what the particular pain point would be.
2: Yeah.
1: at that certain time. So when you're calling your current owners, are you allowed to offer any form of an incentive for them to refer business to you?
2: You are not allowed to pay someone a referral fee. You can give a gift to your clients. You can give a thank you gift. It's not supposed to be in direct correlation for business, but you can give them like a free month of management.
1: Yep. Okay. And the reason why I say that, obviously it's, it's interesting to see because, a lot of people think, you know, just ring up and offer a, a referral, but you're not allowed to. And I knew you guys weren't allowed to. I mean, in New Mexico, all you can do is donate to a charity or something, you know. Um, mm. So and it's, it, it's different in each state. So it's interesting to see that point from other, you know, to other areas. So what are, what, what are your best rent roll growth strategies that would potentially bring in about 80% of your business? Um, you know, we've spoken about the calling the private owners, the expired listings, et cetera. So right now, where is 80% of your business coming in from?
2: You know, it's not the most exciting answer, but where most of our business comes from is online searches and people finding us that way. Okay. And it people talk about SEO and they talk about your ranking. It's something we've been working on for a long time. But I think what's more important than that, because you can hire a company to go do your SEO for you, right? But it's about how you're presenting yourself and how you're presenting your product. And I think we do that very well. So when people are searching and, I mean, you have to rank, that's number one to get people to click on you. But then once they get there, they have to, like, believe you and want to work with you. And that's something that I think we've also done pretty well since the beginning is our listings are – we always use professional photography um, we're getting more into using vr and, and virtual tours our descriptions are always very thorough and very detail oriented in how and how we're presenting the properties and because we're going for a higher-end clientele we're, we're, it's like little things like we're always pitching um presenting our properties most expensive to least expensive when you're looking through our our search so Those kind of little stuff like that that just is on brand with what you're trying to put out there that people once they get to your website that they believe what you're selling
1: yeah okay so that's good so you you, you're telling me people want to use you because you you know your your marketing looks good so Mm -hmm. um and you're offering so you're telling me you're not taking photos on your phone um you know, <laughs> so uh, yeah. you know,
2: iPhones take pretty good photos these days. Once in a while, well, you shot, we might once in a while use an iPhone photo.
1: <laughs> Five and a half years ago, when I first started consulting, I was telling everyone to dump their phones. Now I can say it's actually okay. You know, right. a 14, 15 gigabyte photo for crying out loud, it's just nuts. Um, right. Pixel, sorry. Um, Okay, so you've got professional photography. You've got um, you've you've spoken about three hundred and sixty tours. So they're seeing that you've got a, a Matterport camera. Is that what you're using for your, your vacant
3: properties? Yeah, well, we have a Matterport. We use we we don't use that as often. We're just starting to experiment with the Ricoh camera. Yeah, which is great. Um, I think one of the great differentiating things about our, our website for for that really. His home with owners is the lead capturing systems that we have built into the back end of the platform, and how easy we can and, uh, we can make make it for tenants to set appointments, and also the, the communication from that platform to the owner. The owner can get we use tenant turner. So tenant turner, when we set an appointment, the owner gets notification. If the tenant gives feedback, the owner gets that feedback all in real time. So owners really like that. They like to know what's going on. They like to hear it. It makes them gives them transparency inside the transaction that they might not otherwise have by turning it over to another person.
1: Sure. So, um, if I can just explain for Australia, New Zealand, tenant Turner is, um, it's the the closest thing to inspect real estate. So to get that understanding. Yeah. So, okay. Dennis, yeah,
0: can I, can I just interject here? Sorry. Guys, what's your website? So people can actually have a look at your rental property marketing. So it's uh, what is your website?
2: For
0: sure. It's foundationhomes.com. Homes is plural. Foundationhomes.com. That's pretty easy. Thank you.
2: Easy. Yeah, so, I, I mean.
1: yeah. So trust is a, a massive, um, you know, a tool to win the business because as you know, realtors, real estate agents, we're, we're, we're down the barrel. We're, we're, we're at the bottom of the list of, of being trusted and, and you're talking about you, you've got some quite good SEO. Um, but, You you know, I want to delve in a little bit more on the how you're getting their trust, you know, what's on your website as well, because yes, marketing wins you listings and I've got like a two hour session on that. And I think um, I touched on that in Lake Tahoe with you all and you guys came to me and said you're doing a lot of it, which is great. But what else is capturing them to want to use you?
2: Well, I think it's showing. So sort of what Christopher touched on, the re- the responsiveness. So like we've got a chat bot on our website, right? Okay. So right there, well so people can get us. And that comes right to me. Eventually it'll be uh-huh. AI, but I'm still learning what the requests are that come in so I can better train the chat bot. But I've been doing that for about a year where I just manually do it right now. But there's all kinds of instant ways for people to get in touch with us. And when an owner does get in touch with us, they also hear from us instantly. It rings all our leasing agents, rings anyone who can answer the phone simultaneously at our company so that someone is picking up that phone when that owner calls. And we literally get business just because of that. It's important.
3: We picked up a really great client last year. He's one of our favorites, even just as a person. But he he told me when I met with him, he said, I called three companies at the same time, all right in a row. Your company responded to me. I knew it was an automatic response. And then you called me at 9 a.m. the next morning. You met with me the following day. He had two rental properties in a premium area in Marin County. And then he, he used us to purchase a third one. And he's planning on getting a fourth this guy has been just a, a gold mine so to speak for for business but he's also it was also because of all the things we had in place to secure that client and we do that for everybody and and I've, and our uh, close rate has gone up as a result
1: yeah yeah excellent i mean uh speed is is you know it's a it's a huge factor in um getting business huge
0: advantage as well dennis when people take Two or three. I mean, we, we've called up several hundred agencies, for example, in Texas, doing a secret fee shopper, getting their fees over the phone so I can then go and do a seminar on typically the type of fees that are being charged out there. And we actually had 50% of people not even picking up the phone.
2: It's, it's really
3: surprising how many people say, hey, look, I called a couple of people and you're the only one that called me back. It's
2: yeah, tricky. There's, there's
0: a growth strategy what right there. Get back straight away. <laughs>
2: But so it's not just, so we don't just call them back. We call them, we email them, we text them. So it's three way. Today you have to use text. And I think that is one thing. It's a silly, small detail, but I think that does set us apart. Yeah, because yeah. people are here by text. I yeah. never listen to my anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, well yeah. done. Well done on that. And answering an email is a big advantage as well. So many people that, um, are, that, you know, will send an email and they don't reply you for a week or two and it drives me nuts. Now, if I can talk about your text, sure. you know what I'm going to ask, aren't you?
2: I don't.
1: You don't. I mean, you have sat in on my training when it comes to. <laughs> the it was
2: video text. I'm sorry. I was th- I'm going for the words. <laughs> I was thinking what, about the words. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I
1: saw the head turn and the whisper in the ear. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um, it's 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 through an automated system. So I can't do that at this time for our our instant ones that are coming through. And there's some limited capabilities there. But there's a product called Bomb. Bomb that yep. we're not using yet, but I, I want it's on our on our <clears throat> radar for this year to be able to really kick that up even a higher level. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, yeah. because bomb- of your training.
1: Yeah, good. No, no, that's cool. bomb has been around for a while, which is um, it's cool. I first heard about it in 2013, but there there is another one. It's eluded me. Um, Greg Watson uses it, Darren, um, and it, they reckon it's another step above BombBomb. And ah, I'm okay. Well, I'm, I'm actually in
0: Greg's office in New Zealand on Monday. I am going to have a look at it myself. So,
1: yeah, I'm yeah. going to message him when Darren starts asking, yeah. so hopefully, hope I can get that um, that answer to us. But, um, yeah, BombBomb is really good. But especially for those follow-up appointments, there's nothing worse than if you've left a presentation, you may not have got the listing or you've gotten off the, the phone from a client. Um, and and you give them a phone call later and they say, oh, look, sorry, I went with the other agent because they told me about this. And then you go, oh, damn, I, I knew I should have said it. Pull over on the side of the road, grab your phone, do a quick, hey, thanks for your time, you asked me this question, I don't think I answered it properly, A, B and C, and send it to them face-to-face. That is so valuable. And even as a follow-up, just got back to the office, thanks very much. Really appreciate spending that time with you. Hopefully the dog next door stops barking. Hopefully the baby sleeps well tonight. Whatever it is, get personal with them. You know, get them to like you. I mean, you've you you, you you've said to me twice, Christopher, that, that they've become friends of yours, some of your clients, you know. Become friends at the appointment. Get personal with them and then, um, you know, and send them that text. You know, it's funny. We call it a video text. Is it an MMS or is it a whatever? But um, send it to them, and it take it'll take your conversions to another level.
2: Yes, that's a great idea. We've been because of your training, we've been talking about implementing more of that of the guys doing their little text video after.
1: Yeah, I, I think we need to put some accountability training on you guys. But I'll, I'll, um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I'll let right. that question. I've been hogging the whole thing. What's and why you're um, asking? Okay, so so
0: Very quickly, um, guys, you may be interested. This is a book that we are reading at the moment as a team and it's Never Lose a Customer Again by Joey Coleman and uh, amazing strategy about giving everybody the wow factor from the very, very first minute that they become a client. And a lot of the things you've been talking about really resonate through the things that we're learning in that book. And, uh, you know, well done. But let's just talk about now your fees. Let's talk about the $6,000 on average income per property per year that you're doing. And obviously, we got a bit of an issue about talking about numbers. So we can't mention numbers in the show. But can you perhaps tell us, you know, you've got a management fee, you would have a leasing fee. What are some other fees that you have?
2: Sure. So our fees are mostly so high because our rents are so high, right? So we've got our leasing fee. um, We have our renewal fee. Um, that's one point of differenti- um, differentiation. Not everyone in the US, is a pretty widespread what people charge. So ours is obviously on the higher end of that. Um, a couple of just like annual fees, like annual admin accounting fee. Um, we do not charge for just regular um, maintenance but we do charge for almost everything else that's not just your standard maintenance. So because the cost of living is so high here, obviously that does add up, but it also takes a lot of our staff hours to service that. Even just like, you know, a simple thing is a lot of, I mean, everyone in the industry knows, right? It's not just a click, click, it's done. It's the call, the scheduling, the back and forth.
3: Yeah. It'll yeah. just take a
2: lot of hours yeah. to get that Perfect. stuff done. So like big done
3: major all. remediations, things like that. Uh, Isn't our example of when we charge we feel that that's above normal property management, day-to-day duties, and we have to account for our team's time around that.
2: Yeah, and we also charge on the contract value on the initial lease up. So a lot of people do flat leasing fees, um, but here, because the rental rates are higher, your job is kind of more similar to a traditional real estate agent, you're charging on the contract value. So if we're doing a two-year lease, then the fees are on that full two-year lease. It's ah, not just okay. like the-
0: yeah, Let's just talk about your management fee now. Is your management fee percentage going to be the same as an agency down the road that's dealing with your $1,500, 1800 1100 Is it the same percentage? It is. Okay, cool. I was, I, I was hoping you'd say that because. Yeah, yeah that's cool. I was hoping you're going to say that because a lot of people, um, when they've got those higher ends, they feel in their mind it's harder to get that same percentage. And you get an owner say, well, why are you charging me this percentage when it's the same percentage as the other agent down the road that's got a lot lesser rent? But why are you charging me so much? You know, in the end the dollar rate is going to be so much more on that same percentage. How can you justify that? So what do you say there where you're actually charging a lot more, though your percentage may be the same?
3: Well that's interesting because I just answered this question for a client last week week when we were just closing him. He had a lot of contract questions, which was great, but uh, he had the same question. And I said, listen, you know, um, at the end of the day, it's a more challenging transaction for a higher end property. The expectations are just higher. We have to put in that much more work and effort and you are also are demanding excellence from us. And so is the tenant. So if we don't, we, we need, we charge these fees, but we earn them all day long, and yes, that person out the road might be charging, might be renting a lower end property for the same price, and yes, that overall, that overall fee is gonna be less, but that's an easier transaction to actually facilitate than what we are, what you're asking us to do here.
0: So once you give that response, uh, is it any big deal after that?
3: I, with the caliber of client that would own a home on the very high, the higher end side, I think there's an intrinsic feeling that they have, that they know that they're, buying, they're, they're purchasing a product that, that they need to have. So these are people who are not buying, say, a Honda or a Toyota. They're buying a Porsche or a BMW or a Mercedes, sometimes because of the performance of the vehicle, but also because of the service that they actually get inside the dealership.
2: And you know it's funny when we so we we use that analogy, but um, about a year ago when we went we were trying to figure out what car to buy for me, we went into the Toyota dealership. <laughs> a great story. Well, we've just we've driven BMWs for years, so it's been a long time since we actually been in a dealership. So we went in and we get some junior sales. Re- and he literally he did a
3: good job. He, he
2: did, he did a, good, a good job, but he literally sits us down to do the dog and pony show He's got this little flip book, flip, flip, and he's making us over. sit there and flip through this flip book And we're just like uh, we're like What's you
3: know? the cost? like <laughs> get the shades. like we, we just want to know so, that,
2: so then we go over to the Mercedes dealership, and it's the welcome Would you like an espresso blah blah blah? They're not getting into the sale They're not trying to sell you they're not telling you the information you don't care about they're looking at you they're saying what does this person need what do they need to know if you're buying a mercedes you're busy you don't want to hear the details you want to you want to know what you want to know and so they're there to service you and that's the difference we when you're dealing with a company like ours that's accustomed to operating in that space versus maybe a typical property management that's kind of handling all across the board is that we we're just we just kind of know what like that space needs and even if you don't do luxury for anyone listening out here you're not doing luxury you're doing something else the same advice can be applied towards whatever your specific expertise is right you just need to know what it is that your clients want and tailor to that
1: yeah well done dennis over to you mate yeah that's that it's good i mean you guys obviously you've you've got some really good systems um in in place you know uh, good points of differences, good setups at the beginning, etc. You know, so uh, well done. Um, it, it's certainly something that Darren and I recognised when we first met you. Um, obviously, we got to spend some extra time in the vehicle. Uh, I can't remember what were we in—a BMW or a Merck? I remember it was white. It was a, state, a station wagon. It was a wagon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. Anyway, that that's cool. So, um, which is really cool. So um, now. Do you have KPIs in place for rent roll growth strategies, you know, and, and what are some examples that you've got in place for, you know, some tasks that, you know, you, you spoke about earlier that you've got the, you know, the new um, people coming on board with you. You've got them targeting the style listings, private owners, but what else have you got in place?
2: Well, I'll tell you one thing that we've realized over the years as uh rainmakers per se, people used to going out and getting business that, job of a real estate brokerage in today's market has kind of changed your your job is to be the rainmaker for your agents so for us to expect that our agents go out and do what we used to do is unrealistic and it took us a bunch of years to sort of realize that it's not fair for them for us to put that expectation on them to go be rainmakers
3: it's a recent revelation or like i think Well it was 2 years thing. or two so years.
2: yeah but so our, our job now is we work as hard as we can as a brokerage on setting up broad strokes that are going to bring in business in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. So what, I'll answer the KPI in just, just a second. But um, one recent example is we set up an MVP program. So we're throwing like great events for our clients. We did like a Brazilian cooking class. We did just before Thanksgiving, we did a holiday cocktail class. And we set it up at a restaurant. And the bartender let us get behind the bar. So we've got great videos. They're on our Facebook page of us. wearing boas making cocktails. So we're really getting to know our clients on a one-on-one basis. And it's all just to really show them that we appreciate them and that we're trying to do something a little bit different. We're trying not to be just your run-of-the-mill property management company, but we're not quite a real estate brokerage who's out there, you know, just with a million agents, just trying to sell properties. We're kind of like a different a different beast, so to speak. So when we get to our KPIs, we're, we're measuring what our agents do and we're measuring what we do as a company. So the biggest one we're tracking is our conversion rate right now. I know you guys have awesome conversion rates in Australia and New Zealand. In the US, the average is around 19 or 20%. So we've been hovering at 28 or 29% for the last year. So we're pretty proud of that. We're trying to break 30. That's our current, current goal. And then we're going to try to get to 50 like you guys are.
1: Okay. So in your defense, your conversion rates are um, calculated from when you get a lead. Okay. All leads, so,
2: even junk leads. Every single lead leads. goes in there.
1: Yeah, that's right. So where, where, um, you know, in the US, you you have really great systems in capturing and tracking the leads. That's still something fairly new in Australia. So um, when it comes to conversion on percentage from uh, the actual appointment, that's what really um, captures my attention as well. Um, because mm. what's really cool, so you guys know that you've got to work on your online presence. You've got to work on your trust, which you're obviously doing really well to get it to twenty nine percent, and that's great. But what about your conversion from when you've got the appointment to what you're signing up? You know,
3: yeah, we can track that, but it's pretty high. I mean, we we, yeah. we pretty much we close. I wouldn't say every single client, but more more we close probably. Most of them. <laughs> yeah. If, if yeah. I'm meeting with the client, if I'm meeting with the client and whether the contract, um, they're gonna usually list with us unless they decide not to list the property at all.
1: Yeah, sure. And, and we all understand that sometimes you might have an appointment and they don't do anything for three months, four months, whatever the case. Right. Uh, but it, it eventually um, breaks up. So you know, it's good that you're tracking those KPIs. It's really important because you know where your training needs to be. So um, and, and in fairness you know, let's be honest. Some of those leads, is just someone's filled out a form online that they've seen something, but they're not looking at doing anything for a couple of years. And I'm sure you've got some of them as well.
2: We do, but we have a nurturing and a drip system for them. So we do well, videos. We have, I mean, we have, they get all our newsletters. We did, we have a drip system content. We have closed leads that have been six months old, or um, I can't think of any that have been a year old in there, but definitely, we, I mean, we have a full system for whether it's a circle back or, or, you know, if they're just going in our nurturing system, for sure.
3: There's five or six leads that I'm going to be closing by the beginning of February that I've been talking to since November. But these Lots. are people, we, we've yep. identified a strategy for them. We knew what was going, we knew how to structure the, the lease up and the marketing and ultimately the management of their property. We were planning for the spring. So, yeah.
1: Great. Great. Okay, so obviously, you know, if we're going to talk about what your goals are, what your growth goals are for, you know, the next 12 months, you you, you said you want to get to 30% for your um, conversion rate from leads. What other growth goals have you got in place, or that you're you're planning on taking over? You guys will conquer. Uh, yeah. So
2: we're actually a little bit behind on setting our goals for this year because january has just been crazy busy but we we had to wait to true um, up some stuff with our books to really set. we really wanted to be super super accurate when we set our goals um, but we are opening a san francisco office this year so we're excited about that next month yeah next month yeah i mean we already manage properties in san francisco we've been turning away the business for so long and we've been trying to figure out where to open our second office and finally we're like well it's San Francisco, right in front of us. It's the business we've been turning away. You're going into the
0: city, the city part of San Francisco. So, how far are you away from there at the moment?
3: We're
2: 15 minutes.
3: Yeah, okay. I mean, miles-wise, less than 10. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah.
3: But San Francisco is a seven by it's a seven by seven square. So, um, and there's a lot of different neighborhoods in there.
2: It's just our hesitation to go into that market is it is super super saturated. There are tons of property management companies, and we've thought why just why bother, we don't need to fight in there. But what we've realized, we just completed our study for our 2018 numbers, and we it's the first year that we've tracked our stats for how our price per square footage and our days on market performs compared to the MLS. And our stats are awesome, and we're so excited. So our average property rents at 2.5% higher than the average MLS property. And it rented twenty four percent faster than the average MLS property. So that's what we've known in our heart for years, but now we've got the data to prove it. And so once we heard that, we're like, Oh, so okay, we are doing something kind of different. Well, screw it, let's go to San Francisco and see what we can do different there too.
3: And it's just you think about it, just by working with us, the owners are putting money in their pocket. Yeah.
0: And and you'll be able to get the word out in the street to your owners as well that you got an office there, the word of word of mouth and all those sort of things yeah. will work for you too. So, you know, well yeah, done. Yeah.
1: You calculate that um, that you know monthly because that's how you work it. How much extra income that's potentially generating for your owners um, over a 12-month period just for listing with you. and there's a good campaign there. Yeah, I've got a
2: flyer that calculates for them as an example of a $6,000 listing, what that two and a half percent adds up to, and then what the 24 percent faster. So we've already broken that down for them for sure.
3: Yeah, per
1: day because that that you know just list with us and save simple marketing.
0: All right, guys, let's round this uh, interview up. One last quick question. You are both on stage at the Inspired Growth Conference. You are speakers and you're speaking to business owners. You're speaking to BDMs. You're speaking to people that grow the business. You've got one minute to speak to them. What's the most important thing you would have to say?
3: I would say develop and use a system consistently for lead tracking. Identify your ideal client profile and develop scripts to sell to them specifically. Know your product know your outcome, and have confidence in your value, period, the end.
0: You
2: I would probably add, if you haven't already, embrace coaching. Because that's one thing in our career that I feel like we didn't really get into until later. So it's really only been the last three years that we've really been embraced and fully um fully into the value of whatever type of coaching it is we do tony robbins we love that christopher's involved in some other uh, wake, in wake up warrior and then obviously coaching from you guys coaching from a lot of different sources and uh what's the alex other one? Charfin. alex sharfin we just signed up for so we are we are coached up you, for are, sure. you guys
0: are right up there i promise you you certainly you yeah. represent the very best that we've come across in the united states it's so good to be connected now if anyone's got any questions what's the best way to get hold of you
2: uh, you can go to our website for sure. You can hit us up. There are about a million ways to get on touch right there. Foundationhomes.com.
3: Foundationhomes.com. Our contact information is listed right there. We're happy to answer emails, especially from halfway around the globe. Love to talk to you guys.
2: And if anyone wants to talk about the Warriors basketball team, Warriors. Christopher is on Twitter often with yeah,
3: so We do look forward to you. He used to play for us. So.
0: We want to see you guys come along to an event in Australia too. So uh, thanks so much. I think it's been a great interview. We're just so pleased as punch to have two wonderful people like you as part of our uh, inner circle. I think, Dennis, very quickly, uh, for people out there, get on Facebook, go to IGT Inner Circle Facebook group, uh, answer the three questions and you're in. So IGT Inner Circle Facebook group. We look forward to seeing you there. Dennis, I think we're done.
1: Yeah, certainly are. Thank you for taking the time out. Just so everyone knows, this is take two. Um,
0: <laughs> well, we had some technical problems first time around, but thank you, guys. Thank you, Darcy. Thank, thank you, Christopher. You guys. Great. Thank take you. care, everyone. Thank you.
3: Bye.